Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. And we're streaming live at WCEV1450.com. If you are new to the Radio Islam family, we thank you for joining us. Uh, we're on every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central, coming to you from the wonderful city of Chicago, uh, the historic city. Some call it second, but I don't think we're second to anybody. Anyway, you can keep up with us by following and liking our uh, social media pages. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And that's the same username that you'll use to find us wherever you get your podcast. So if you're on SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, or Google Play, whatever your platform is, you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And last but not least, if you would like to give us a call throughout uh, the course of tonight's discussion, uh, and as I mentioned with those usernames, you can feel free to tweet or post on our Facebook page. But you can call us, and you'll get through at 312-750-1178. That is 312-750-1178. Now, Radio Islam family, I'm going to go ahead and wish all of you, um, if you know about it, well, that's great. If you don't know, you're going to know uh, after, well, before the program is over this evening, and that is a happy Juneteenth day. Happy Juneteenth. So... Um, for those of you who are following us on social media, you may have, you may have seen the promo for tonight's show and the art it showed on one. It's two pieces, uh, two pictures, and one picture is the, the Juneteenth, and the other was a picture of a mother and her child um, uh, in distress, uh, crying, appearing to be at the border, possibly about to be separated. So what we're talking about tonight, we're talking about the connection between Juneteenth. Um, and first of all, I'm going to explain. I should explain what Juneteenth is because I'm sure there will be some folks who don't know what Juneteenth is. When we think about uh, freedom, most Americans, we think about July 4th. We think about Independence Day. And, of course, we know that commemorates the signing of the Declaration of Independence, uh, July 4th, 1776. Now, what's interesting, when we talk about our history as a nation, we realize that quite a few of the founding fathers, many of the, especially the prominent ones, uh, such as, uh, we're talking about Benjamin Franklin, John Hancock, Patrick Henry, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, um, uh, James Madison, these, these were all slaveholders. And so when this document that declared independence from the British that we look back to and celebrate today, uh, it was independence, but it was not for everybody in the nation. So this is something that is very, uh, it's obvious, it's uncomfortable for some folks when we look back at our history and where we are right now. But uh, it's all the same. The history is the history, right? You know, we can't do anything about the history. We can only work with where we are right now. But that being said, 
uh, there were many of the slaveholders who, despite having philosophical objections or even moral objections to the practice of slavery, uh, they were more committed to maintaining property rights uh, and limiting the scope of government as far as it as far as it related to their uh, ability to uh, to own property or to do as they please with their their own property. So morality uh, morality took a back seat to capital. Now, it would be almost 100 years before enslaved Africans in the United States, in America, would be given their freedom. Now, there were variations of the Emancipation Proclamation uh, signed beginning in 1863, which was a part of, we know, the Civil War, right, began 61 through 65. Um, we know that there that this was initially, it was a, uh, it was basically a military strategy. Right? So slaves were considered as property, and there was a, a, a law that was made uh, uh, that was um, from President Lincoln, uh, an order basically saying that anything, any property used against, uh, used in rebellion, rebellion against the United States could be seized. So the slaves were, uh, or the enslaved, were considered contraband, right? So they were considered contraband. And uh, so there was a flood of, so they, there was no return. Uh, and for, so quite a few slaves, uh, quite a few of the enslaved who, who were able to gain their freedom, who were able to leave and run away, they ran to northern uh, armies, and they were given shelter, quite a few of them. But there were some who actually were turned back. But anyway, we don't want really to get lost in in the, the whole scope of that history because it's really, uh, it's extremely, extremely rich, extremely deep, and there's a lot to it. But suffice it to say that it would be, if we're just pointing at 1863 uh, with the Emancipation, uh, Emancipation Proclamation, and then there was another, a final um, version of it given in 1865 uh, preceding the 13th Amendment, uh, which actually gave that some teeth. Um, we went through two years where technically the enslaved were now free. Now, here comes Juneteenth. So Juneteenth, what Juneteenth is, this is a holiday celebrated on June 19th. So it's an amalgamation. It's, it's pulling, pulling together June and 19th, so Juneteenth, which commemorates the actual end of slavery in the United States. And across the country, uh, this day is marked with events and parades, and now with the advent of social media, you simply have to look the hashtag up, and you'll see people sharing uh, their, their different celebrations uh, that, that they are engaging in across the country. So the story... Uh, or I shouldn't say the story, but basically what took place uh, June 19th, 1865, Major General Gordon Granger came to Galveston, te uh, Texas, to inform the community that President Abraham Lincoln, two years earlier, had freed the slaves and to press locals, local slave owners, to comply with his directive. So to make sure that they were not in rebellion. So the, the question that comes up for most people when they look back on this to say how could slavery have been uh, abolished, but there still be slavery going on in the United States? 
How could it still be going on in Texas? Uh, and the, the reason is simple, uh, is that the notice of responsibility for, for uh, upholding this directive was placed with the slaveholders themselves. Um, so <laughs> there was there was an obvious there was an obvious reason for uh, there was an obvious reason for that protracted um, uh, release for that freedom that was delayed, and a few of those are they decided not to say anything, waiting for the harvest to come in. And once again, it's a monetary decision, uh, and then even after they were given. Uh, after they were given their freedom, or the, it was announced that they were free, they were encouraged to stay on board, to stay where they were, to stay working with the, uh, to stay working on those plantations with those people who had, who had sold them, who had who had bought them, who had mistreated them, who had broken up their families, and they were told, well, why don't you stay here and stay on, and just stay on for wages, right? Now, what happened after this was. Uh, they call it the scatter. And that is basically all of these people who had been enslaved, who had watched their family members picked apart and sold off and sent to different plantations around the, around the country. They left to go find their loved ones. So I gave all of that to bring us to this point right here where Juneteenth represents more than anything for me. It is a celebration of not just freedom, but it's a celebration of family of families being able to to be reunited. And there were plenty of enslaved uh, folks who, once they got their freedom, they spent the rest of their lives looking for their mothers and fathers, for their children, for their for their siblings. And some uh, some of their journeys were successful, and others, they searched until, you know, for, for the rest of their lives. Now, we find ourselves in an interesting position today. We are looking at a immigration policy where we have children being separated from their families, uh, families that are coming here looking for asylum. And before we get, I mean, really too far, I just see there's a tremendous connection between these two things. But what I want to do first off is we want to go ahead and talk about, because just as I know there were many of you who are not aware of what Juneteenth is, uh, we also have to be aware that if you're not aware, then our young people are also not aware. And uh, we've got joining us on the line uh, Juanita Mahdi, she is a an educator. Uh, she has been with uh, uh, CPS. She's taught in a variety of different uh, settings, but she's been an educator for, 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 for quite some time now. And we want to get her perspective on our young people's awareness and also just to get her perspective on what Juneteenth uh, means to her. Assalamu alaikum. Waalaikumsalam. How are you, Imam Tariq? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for joining us. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I was just mentioning that I, I'm sure uh, when I, we started out with the broadcast for the night that there are people who are not aware of, of Juneteenth, of, right. of its significance. And as such, if we have adults that are not aware of it, I'm sure that we also have uh, young people. We have children. We have students Very uh, much so. that are not, uh, also not aware of it. And I wanted to get your assessment um, in whichever way, whichever order you want to address it first, you know, your your thoughts on what Juneteenth, what it means for you, and also how you see our young people uh, connecting with it or, or just their awareness of it. Okay. Um, when I think of Juneteenth, I mean, I, 
I know it's a time when supposedly, you know, black people were free. You know, that's when we got our freedom, supposedly. Um, a lot of the things that I teach um, in regards to history and social um, sciences, I touch a little bit on it, but I more so touch on, you know, even though we were free, we were free from a legal standpoint, we really weren't free. I always talk to them about the black codes and the mm. Jim Crow laws. And um, one of the things that's interesting I was reading today, you know, Texas being a large state, supposedly the reason why a lot of slaves didn't even know they were free because it was a large state. And the information was slow to spread. But interesting enough, Texas became the first state to recognize it as a state holiday. Yes. Um, but a lot of states, you know, still don't recognize it's not recognized as a national holiday as it should be. Um, my perspective on it, I don't know, I, I think I just more so look at our condition today. And I still feel like we still have shackles around our mind. I would like for us to be mentally and financially free. Um, those are my biggest concerns. Um physical, you know, is one thing, but if your mind still has that mentality, you're still not free in a lot of senses, in my opinion. Um, it's not, And unfortunately, when Juneteenth rolls around, we're not even in school, you know. Right. Everybody's out. Um, it's hard to touch on it throughout the school year. You can touch on it a little bit during Black History Month, but there's so many agendas of what, you know, uh, they feel is important, federal guidelines they feel is important, to teaching is rarely, to be honest, it is it is something that is rarely taught unless you have someone like myself mm-hmm. who um, will talk about it. But I think um, our generation missed the mark with a lot of things, and our kids don't know about it. Let and they seem this. to have no interest in it, which is actually very sad to me. Let me, let me ask this. Um, mm-hmm. with I, I think we're actually, it's just not, it's not really talked about, it's not known, and I only know this because, uh, and I only came up, I only came into this uh, awareness rather recently, that 45, mm-hmm. uh, 45 states have recognized this as a, as a holiday, as a state holiday. Now, I would have never known this because I don't recall much fanfare, uh, much notice about it in Illinois. Um, mm, right. And, but what, what I want to I get your perspective on is, do you think that since, going back to the old quote, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere, Right. Mm-hmm. So if we are celebrating independence or freedom or liberty on July 4th, that we rightly and, and that freedom was denied uh, the African-American uh, for almost another 100 years. Do you think that we really as a country, if we really talking about solidarity and 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 healing as a country, that we should really be celebrating Juneteenth as a national day of uh, of independence, a national day of freedom? I feel that we should. Um, I really don't celebrate the 4th of July. I mean, I, I tell people that with most holidays, it's just a day where I'm off, where all my family is off, and we just happen to all be off, so we get together, <laughs> but not necessarily celebrating the significance of whatever the holiday is. I definitely feel like it's something that should be recognized, but people like us who are aware have to kind of push it. And even in just talking to you, I feel like, man, you know, maybe we need to start planning like something big for next year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, to make our communities more aware and the sacrifices and you know what it is because it's not it's honestly not being taught in schools I, I know that to be a fact i think if you ask most young people what it is like you said even a lot of adults don't know what it is mm-hmm. um i definitely think it's something that we should be celebrating i don't even know if it's a celebration but reckon recognition you, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um i don't know it's just our, our history with this country is just so sorted like 
I don't even know if celebration is the is really the correct word, you know, the correct term, you know, just and I, I think with this country they don't like to touch on those things because it brings up such an ugly past that's really part of our present. Mm-hmm. You know, um if you want to be honest about it with all the things we see going on with the president and the climate you know of our country. To mention to mention that uh, I also have to go back to this idea for me that Juneteenth does not just represent a celebration of a long delayed freedom because just like you mentioned what followed that was uh, the black well there was a a, a brief spark where uh, African Americans were politically and economically and socially engaged but that was cut short. Uh, and followed up with uh, the black codes and Jim Crow. Yeah, um, especially but, in the South. And a lot of people know, you know, the black codes were those codes where, you know, you weren't allowed to to marry interracially. You weren't allowed to own land. You still weren't allowed to read. Um, if you were over 18 and you didn't have a job, you went to you went to prison or to jail. Yeah, but you could be picked no up No one was g- sure. going to give you a job. Mm-hmm. And if you can't read, it's jobs you don't qualify for. It's still set up for us to be enslaved in a lot of respects, especially in the South. You know, that's why a lot of people end up moving north. It was a little bit, it was still racism, but it wasn't as bad as it is, you know, it was in the South. And that's why I think, you know, this country still went through a lot of years after we were supposedly free, you know, still living under Jim Crow laws, you know, in the black code. So, yeah, but you know again, what? we only look, mm-hmm. it was just 50 years ago that black people got rights, that we were, you know, across the country able to vote, you know, and have certain rights. I don't even think our Constitution still say we're a whole person and Native Americans with three-fifths of a person, so... Right, right. Not... Yeah. <laughs> you know, some but, things have changed legally and some things still have not changed legally, so... But from a family from a family perspective, right, because that's, that's the other impact for me that Juneteenth represents, because this is going back to... It's going back to the announcement being made in Texas... Uh, that, you know, you all are free. You're, you're two years behind, two and a half years behind everybody right. else. Right. And the first thing that they did, the majority of them, is that they rushed out to go find uh, their loved ones, find their, find mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and children. And so to me, it really represents, it's as much about families being together, tr- trying to reunite right. families. And putting that in the context of today, uh, what With the Mexicans the, being separated well, from no, their children. Not, not even just that, right? Because, yeah, absolutely that. But before I even go to that, I look at what are the effects of uh, mass incarceration? What have, mm-hmm. what has that done uh, to, oh, to uh, families? Yeah. Right? Fathers uh, being separated from their children their families. Ab- absolutely. Uh, but then transition, as, as you just mentioned, looking at the separation of families now with, uh, with uh, how, how our immigration policy uh, is operating. Mm-hmm. Do you think that people are that people are seeing this in a historical context that this is this is this is just kind of what America has has been about at its worst, not at, at its mm-hmm. best, but at its worst, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what we're and that's what we're looking at right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yes, sir. It's um, a lot. Well, so let me let me ask again. Um, so, as far as the young people that you have taught, I know you said that you bring up these things, but this is not something. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. Is this this is not something that's really a part of the your standard curriculum? Oh no, not at all. You were you won't even see anything about it in curriculum. Hmm. You won't really see too much about it. 
if you have a you have to have a teacher that's aware to even bring it up. You know, and I like gotta, they'll they'll speak hmm. they'll speak about um, slavery ending, but they won't you won't hear the name Juneteenth. You won't hear it in those terms. You you'll you'll learn about slavery ending, but you won't hear Juneteenth. You won't hear those words. Hmm. Now, how do you feel about this? My feeling is that this is not just important history for African American youth. This is important history. I American think, for, history, period. Yes, for America, because. If America does not uh, does not settle up with this history and does not embrace it, does not talk about it, then what is it? I think it was um, I can't remember who said it, but uh, Carter G. Woodson, right, says uh, basically the person who does not study um, history, uh, um, then you know, not basically, yeah, you lose all the lessons that come mm-hmm. with it, and we see ourselves in that position um, right mm-hmm. now. So, yeah, so I, I just feel like this is something that America um, wholesale needs to see. And I, let me ask you this question, uh, last question. Um, the Holocaust is, mm-hmm. at least for my daughters, I talk to my daughters who are uh, juniors or going to be seniors and uh, sophomore, mm-hmm. and they told me, and I remember them talking about this in eighth grade, I think they said they had a whole year, the whole year well, where they the learned about mm-hmm. the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't imagine how they would learn about that, right? That horrible, that, uh, that low point. part of our history. That, right. That's the see, that's the thing that's upsetting me. And I've actually visited the Holocaust Museum in Skokie mm-hmm. with my students at the prior school that I worked at. I've I've gone there twice with my students because that's what the social studies teacher wanted to do. Um, it's, it's important. It's important. I don't, I don't I'm want... Not, I'm not saying yeah, yeah. that it's not important, but we don't even have a sense of self before they start yeah. right, right, compounding right. us with other people's oppression. And it's like, we're not even acknowledging our own oppression and how they're victims of, you know, right. uh, being oppressed. And, and our students don't, our young people don't understand that. You know, they, they truly don't. They don't even understand how the rest of the world views them and see, see, see them which may be a good thing in some respects, but mm. it's, it's important to know, you right. know, all aspects of who you are and where you come from. And um, I think, yes, a lot of time is dedicated to that. I remember being in school reading the diary of Al Frank and um, yeah. Flowers in the Attic, all these different stories and different, you know, you know, about Holocaust survivors and, you know, and different things, but they don't want to touch on our history like that. Now, Radio Islam family, I want you all to really take stock, take real inventory. When you hear that, when you look at that comparison right there, right, to, to know that atrocities were committed against one group of people, which we all recognize. I think globally we recognize and we talk about the importance of uh, inclusion and making sure that that type of thing does not happen again. Um but to also recognize that we don't have that same conversation about uh, about the transatlantic uh, slave trade. We don't have the same conversation or acceptance about uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of slavery in the United States and what that did to uh, to, to a people, uh, its impact on families, on psyche. We don't have that conversation. So we have not, because we haven't had the conversation, we haven't developed a response to it to make sure that uh, that type of, not just that it doesn't happen again, but to make sure that we address the, um, address the outcomes that, that we live with every day. 
it's interesting that you say that because one of the conversations that, that I had with my students, and I know a lot of adults that don't even know, um, I explained to uh, them, you know, the welfare system, the way it was set up. Right. You know, um, a lot of black men could not find work in the 40s and 50s and 60s. And the solution was, okay, we'll give your family welfare if you leave the home. Yep. And so men didn't want their families to suffer. They couldn't find work. They couldn't provide. So they started leaving home. And it became a trickle-down effect that, you know, women are having children and men just left the home. And they continued having children. You know, it, it, that had a tremendous impact, you know, on our people. And a lot of people don't know that the government set that up that way, you know, for um, women, you know, black women to receive welfare. And they'll give it to you as long as the man is not in the home. So yeah. they developed this mentality of not all, but some developed this mentality of I'll just get a check, you know, and now that things are running dry with that and people are tired of it, you know, welfare is not a trust fund. You can't pass that down, you know, right. from generation to generation. And, we, and we're in a lot of positions where we're stuck. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know what? And that really is that's that's an hour long program uh, mm -hmm. in and of itself. Just talk about the institutional uh, uh, impact. On, mm -hmm. on our communities. Um, yeah, so yeah, we're, we're going to have that conversation uh, at some point soon. <laughs> but, I, we're jumping all over the place. It just opens so many floodgates and so much. Yeah, stuff. yeah, absolutely. But look, uh, uh, Juanita, we appreciate yeah. you taking the time to, to share your Thank perspective. Thank you for having me on. Us. And uh, Radio Islam family, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to get into uh, our second half and talk about these, uh, these immigration policies. All right, this is Radio Slime. We'll be back in just a minute. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its Northside location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141. That's area code 872-806-0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org. And now we have an eight-year-old on the line. Welcome to Our World Today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to mypyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency. 
and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Hey, Mom, why is the sky blue? Why don't animals talk? Why do dogs have wet noses? Why is an 11 pronounced 21? Kids ask a lot of questions. Why do I have a belly button? But you don't have to know every answer. Why is the ocean salty? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Why are there 50 states? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. Why is pizza round? They just need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to adoptuskids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq El Amin, and we are still on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com. Remember, folks, you can keep up with us on social media and get our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Use the same username that's at Radio Islam USA, at Radio Islam USA. And don't forget about RadioIslam.com. You can go there to check out guest bios, pictures, and uh, and a lot of other content that you may find quite interesting. So that's RadioIslam.com. Last but not least, if you'd like to give us a call, you can do so at 312-750-1178. 312-750-1178. Okay, Radio Islam family, we've been talking about uh, Juneteenth and making this connection, at least for me, it's, it's quite an easy connection between freedom and family. And when I think about... Uh, what, what family means for me, the, uh, the blessing of being able to keep family together, uh, I, am, I am just immensely uh, impacted whenever I see families being pulled apart. Now, keep in mind, because if you are a regular listener, you know we, we, we talk about mass incarceration. We talk about uh, some of the institutional uh, and societal factors that are impacting families, particularly within the uh, uh, urban centers of America. Uh, and these are not just important for those who live there. They're important for, for all of us who understand that, um, that we have a responsibility to one another, right, as a human family. Um, now, so when I look at our immigration policy, um, I can't help but be disturbed. Uh, and I'm sure that there are many of you also who are also feeling the I exact same way. And we have... Um, we're going to bring on uh, a friend of the show, Dr. Lamise Shawahin. Um, she is an assistant professor uh, at Governor State University uh, in the Division of Psychology and Counseling. And we felt that her perspective would be really valuable uh, with regard to what we are all looking at in the news right now. Um, we're seeing immigrant families being separated basically because the Trump administ administration in April has began to prosecute as many border crossings as possible uh, with this zero tolerance policy and all of that, you know, uh, nonsense. But anyway, uh, Dr. Lamise, are you with us? Yes, I like them. Well, like my salam, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good. Alhamdulillah. How are Thank you? I'm good. Alhamdulillah. I appreciate you taking <laughs> the time to talk with us. Uh, I know you've got a busy schedule, uh, but would definitely love to get your insights, uh, your perspective on what we are all looking at. Uh, a lot of us just aghast and, um, 
just you know hearts going out to to looking at these young people these children who are in a in a really uh, a desperate and vulnerable state yeah um it's 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 really horrifying to continue to read the headlines and i can't help but think about it as a mental health professional um and as someone who is trained uh in uh, the practice of psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I think one of the most important things to kind of consider with the situation that's going on right now is the harmful uh, effect on the health and the mental health of these children and families. Um, you know, I think the, the first thing I would want to talk a little bit about is just the traumatic experience that these families are facing before they uh, even get to the border, mm. that, you know, it, um, for people to pick up their lives and pick up their family with nothing but the clothes on their back uh, means that the situation that they're leaving is scary right. um, and that it's better for them to take their chances with leaving than to stay. Typically, that means that their lives are in danger. Um, and so these are folks who have already experienced some trauma. Um pre, you know, the attempt to even immigrate. And so we already have a population who is vulnerable, but the more sort of traumatic experiences you have, the more likely you are to develop a longer-term outcome. So this is already a vulnerable population to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after, uh, after the parents are separated from the children, you have what's called traumatic separation. Um, and the impact of traumatic separation on children uh, is profound. The the, uh, long-lasting effects of the separation reverberate all throughout the child's uh, childhood, adolescence, and even throughout adulthood. Um, And we see issues with cognitive abilities, we see issues with emotional regulation, um, and we see issues with the ability to even form meaningful relationships with other adults those early experiences as children are so uh, important. The relationship with the caregiver is so important to be traumatically separated in that way has a huge mental health impact. Mm-hmm. Now they're not being these, these children uh, and I've heard people trying to color this as if they are at a day camp or a summer camp or something like that. But what they're not talking about is you mentioned a word that's very important and critical to this and that is caregiver. They're not in spaces where they have caregivers. No, they don't. So not only are they being separated from their family, and that by itself mm-hmm. is enough to cause a long-lasting impact on the mental health, but the reports that are coming out from the ACLU are saying that these children are being um, verbally abused or being physically abused and even being sexually abused in these um, in these facilities. And that, in addition, is a, is a huge human rights violation for that to be going on under this administration's watch and um, not have any repercussions mm-hmm. is, is really quite terrifying. And, and that's, um, you know, one of the most sickening things about this. Uh, as, as a mental health professional, too, I, I just want to mention that um, there was an article that came out today that was saying that some of the social workers and psychologists that are they're working with the children, mm-hmm. um, that what is said by the children can actually be used against 
their parents and yes. used against the children mm-hmm. um, in court because their uh, their confidentiality is not protected in the same way that it would be for and uh, another, you know, a U.S. citizen or folks in different circumstances than they are. Let me ask you this from uh, once again and from a mental health perspective, something that we as adults take for granted is this ability to project, um, to, to see ourselves not just in the circumstance that we're in right now, but to see possibly uh, a month, a year down the line. You know, we can see beyond our immediate circumstances. Now, that is not that is not necessarily the same for for children, is it? Where they can, where they can see beyond uh, the the immediate separation, they or they can see beyond their immediate uh, detention or whatever difficulty that they're going through. Mm-hmm. They process these things differently. Is is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And it's depending on the child's developmental stage, so um, thinking about uh, where they're at in their development, you're absolutely right that they don't really have a sense of. Uh, why things are happening. There's research that suggests that very young children, when they're injured or have some kind of chronic illness, they actually tend to internalize it and blame it on themselves. So children really don't have the same tools that adults and older adolescents have to interpret the events around them. Mm -hmm. Um, And these things are happening at such a critical point in brain development. And that's why we see some of the impacts that we do see in terms of their cognitive abilities later on in life. Mm. Uh, and, and lastly, let me ask this. Um, we know that race plays, uh, is, it is a part of the background music of, of our country's uh, uh, narrative and, and, and discourse. Um, and I heard, I heard someone say that if these were, this would not be happening to Canadian children, uh, that they would not be separating families in the same in the same manner or they would not be warehoused or being treated in this in the same uh, light. Uh, do you think that do you think that America that 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 the United States citizens that we are um, that we're kind of walking with blinders on uh, when it when it comes to this double standard that many perceive well many perceive to be a double standard? I mean, I think the situation is definitely racialized. You have, um, you know, a few weeks ago, Trump referring to uh, members of MS-13 broadly as animals, but that kind of going on to sort of vaguely associate anyone who is crossing the border as an animal. Um, And historically, we see this happening with uh, any marginalized group of people that is being demonized for political gains that with the um, Jewish people in Nazi Germany with uh, African Americans during slavery, this equation of uh, human beings with animals to sort of dehumanize people. Um, And I definitely think that uh, there was a lot of dehumanization of uh, people from Latino backgrounds leading up to this decision. And also just historically, I mean, the way that we've been talking about, immigration for the past, you know, however long, um, has always been demonizing people who are, frankly, you know, fleeing the conditions that in some cases were brought on by U.S. foreign policy. Um, You know, that's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that, um, that definitely race plays a role in this, ethnicity plays a role in this, and xenophobia for sure plays a role in it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that what you mentioned 
uh, as far as the mental health uh, concerns, that those are going to be taken into consideration uh, and, and addressed. Because even if, I mean, God forbid, uh, even if those children are in the position uh, that they're in, there should be a, a, a responsible uh, protocol, a responsible, a morally responsible response uh, that takes into account the mental uh, health and mental development of these of these children. So I'm hoping I hope I'm hoping that 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 is uh, uppermost in their uh, you know in the conversation moving forward. Inshallah. Yes. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, Doc. Um, and uh, as, as always, always a pleasure. We look forward to talking to you again. Of course. My pleasure. Take right. care. Assalamu alaikum. Alaykum All right, Rita San family. That was Dr. Lamis Shawahin. She is a mental health professional, professor at Governor State University, um, deals with psychology and counseling, uh, and covers uh, quite a bit, quite a bit. But we definitely appreciate her giving us that uh, informed perspective uh, on this issue. And I want to go back to, once again, when I, when I thought about these two things coming together, because, and these two things that I'm speaking about, I'm talking about, once again, Juneteenth, this freedom, uh, and the response of the locals after they, I'm sorry, locals, not the right word, uh, the response of the enslaved after they were told that they were free, uh, and they were told to stay on and work for the people that used to be their slave master prior to the announcement, uh, to stay on for wages, to take care of the crops, uh, to not move around, stay right where they were, right? Don't disrupt, don't rock the boat. You're free, but stay where you're at. And, and of course, they did what any person who has lost a loved one uh, would do uh, with the ability. And they got up and they left to go find their loved ones. They left to go find uh, a better opportunity, more peace to raise the families that they still did have. So as I said before, this is as just, a, just uh, as much about family as it is freedom. These two things are connected. So I see a very uh, a seamless connection between the history of uh, our nation's history when it comes to its uh, its negligence, its negation of the uh, sanctity or sacredness of the African uh, African American family uh, and what was done to it, uh, and the present day response of um, of our country. Uh, when it comes to dealing with these people who are leaving, who are leaving, uh, especially as it, as it relates to, uh, as Dr. Lamise was talking about, she says people are coming here and they are already, they're already, they've already endured, um, hor you know, horrific uh, traumas. They've already had to leave their homes with, with just what's on their back. Now think about this. Think about this, uh, Radio Sound family. If we leave without our cell phones, from, if we leave from home without our cell phones, most of us will turn back around to go get our phone, right? I mean, we're talking about just a cell phone. These people are in such dire straits that they have left with the clothes on their backs, with whatever money that they might be able to carry, with um, whatever possessions that, that they can carry with them uh, without fear of loss or being taken from them, and they are seeking asylum. They are looking for a better life, the same life that we 
um, that sometimes we take for granted. So for, for all my critique about the United States, uh, it comes from a place of understanding what the promise of the United States, what it is, what the potential for, uh, for, for it, what, what it actually could mean for, for humanity, not just those here, but for those around the world. So that's the place that that, that critique uh, comes from. And so, so, yeah, so it resonates with me um, as a parent. And speaking as a parent, the other half of my parenting team has just come in. So I'm going to rope her into this conversation. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Aisha Lamine. Asalaamu Alaikum. Alaikum Asalaam. Alaikum Asalaam. Alaikum Radio Islam family. How are you? All right. You can't sound this happy because we're, we're not talking about happy things. Um, no. Um, no, we, we just, we're just talking about the Trump administration's response mm. to uh, those who are seeking asylum, uh, how families are being separated. And it's important. So as, as a parent, why don't you give me your, not, not even just as a parent, but just give me your uh, impression of what we're looking at. Then I want to share something that, um, that I read earlier uh, in the news with uh, giving some of the uh, statistics that have taken place or accumulated since April. So first, it's not, so this is, this is the headline news of the day. Um, and it's um, heartbreaking and it's um, disheartening. Um, and it makes us both think about our spaces of gratitude and our spaces of oppression um, that we have in alignment with so many folks across the world. But unfortunately, this is not a surprise, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is uh, part of uh, a systems that we have in place that discriminate, that oppress, that look at uh, certain folks in society as less than. And so that is, uh, to me, until we attack those systems, um, until we um, reflect on our own engagement with those systems in a way that is meaningful, uh, that begins to erode the very fabric that uh, this country is, has, has, been, um, has been pulled up on, um, until we question those, interrogate those, and um, we will continue to perpetuate um, spaces where some are less than, uh, and some are uh, discriminated against, and that is highly problematic. Uh, one thing that most folks agree on is that there's two populations that we don't mess with, right? Mm -hmm. And that's our youth, our young folk, and our old folk, right? So when we see ourselves in spaces where those two groups are not protected, we need to question everything. Right. Um, and with this administration... Um, we are already questioning everything. But it's not just about questioning. It's about taking that next step. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to be having the same conversation a month from now? Is who, who's, what group will it be next that will be um, uh, looked at as less than and treated as less than and as inhumane and as animals? Um, these are serious questions. What we do now, there's a moral, there's a moral compass, um, and we are turned not towards the North Star. Mm. Okay. Um, Ibrahim, care to weigh in on this? 
Assalamu alaikum. I don't know if there's much to say. The bottom line is that what's happening right now is not just wrong. It's not just a crime. It's torture. Yeah. That's the bottom line. They're torturing kids. And the administration doesn't seem to be very remorseful. They issued a couple of statements like, yeah, you know, we don't like to see that happen. But they're not doing anything and they're not particularly remorseful about it. And I feel like they're using these children and this situation as a bargaining chip to get what they want and to even bolster their the excitement of their base. Yeah. We also have to remember that it's not just the administration, but there's a segment of the population in our country that is also not also adopting the same attitude as the administration. Mm -hmm. As far as I think the Republican lawmakers right now, they're saying that you know we're against this and we want to try to figure out a way to stop this. It's debatable whether or not they're sincere, but the core supporters of the administration of President Trump and his immediate uh, cronies or whatever you want to call them. They, I, I, we have to remember that there's also the problem with them not really seeing this as something wrong or horrible in the way it is, but actually backing the administration too. So it's a larger problem beyond just the legal aspect, beyond just the legislative aspect of solving it, but it's a social problem. Mm -hmm. You know what? Uh, I bring us back to one of the points that I mentioned at the opening. Uh, of the program and that is even though a great number of the founding fathers who signed the Declaration of Independence um, were philosophically opposed to slavery they saw the contradiction between the document that they were presenting mm. and they were celebrating yes. uh, they saw the contradiction but they were also slaveholders and their allegiance to their own property rights mm -hmm. their concern with maintaining um, their protection from the government being able to tell them, basically to tell them what to do, that overrode any sense of morality. Uh, so once again, to your point, you mentioned that they are parts of the base. I was listening to a report earlier today, folks, uh, some folks on the border who are, they were stressed out basically from people walking on their grass. That's, that was the extent of their claim, that they have people on the border who mm -hmm. are cutting across and that, that's their issue. So I, I bring this back up to us, for us to really to, to, to take real stock of our history then and the climate now. That it is more important for some to maintain a sense of whether it is numerical superiority, political superiority, uh, economic, whatever it is. And that is going to be the overriding uh, factor, regardless of how bad they feel about children being uh, treated or families or whatever, it falls back to, to the Whiffems. What's, what's in it for me? One more thing that happened today, and the irony on this is just unbelievable. It's off the charts. You mm -hmm. might have heard me talk about this when I was announcing the news. Yeah. The United States is going to, has announced that they will withdraw from the UN Human Rights Council. Yeah, you hear that? Yeah. Their their reasoning was, you know, the the council is biased against Israel or whatever. <laughs> the irony is that while this is happening, call it a distraction, maybe like the whole space forces thing distraction yesterday. Yeah. Um, the, you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to go for a fifth branch of the military or whatever. Yeah. Star Wars. 
Um, we got to talk about that. Uh, so, so we call it a distraction or whatever, but this happened today where in, uh, Ambassador Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, announced that the United States is going to withdraw from the UN Human Rights Council. Yeah. Mm. So we have no... It's almost as if... I, I don't know what it's called. It, I don't know whether to call all. it ironic or whether to call it fitting. In, in I this, think it's fitting. Go ahead. Yeah, and the irony is the, the silence uh, amongst other, you know, the Republican Party around it. And that in itself says a lot. There's takes, it takes courage, like you said, especially when you are, um, you are directly benefiting or when you see something in it for yourself. And so this is a reminder for us um, to stand for what is just and what is right, even if it's against our own selves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll continue to talk about this uh, and from different angles. We definitely are going to have to talk about the Space Force uh, just because it's, it's just so doggone ridiculous. Mm. Um, but to just recap on what we've talked about today, if you don't know, if you didn't know about Juneteenth, then hopefully you, you have some appreciation for it uh, now. If you were not aware of the significance of it and as, with regard to what it should mean for us as a nation, uh, hopefully you have some uh, a better appreciation for it. And I urge you to go out and educate yourself even further because this day is really, this really is a day that we should all be celebrating. Um, there, we, there can't be some of us who are free and some of us who are oppressed. Either we're all free or we're all oppressed. So, uh, uh, so that being said, um, you know, may, may Allah guide us to that which is, is pleasing uh, to him and, and allow us to, to take those stances that are not, they're not comfortable and they're not popular, but we know that they're just and they're right. All right. That being said, folks, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, our hour is up. We thank you for tuning in. Um, we want to go ahead and thank our engineer over at WCEV, Ramon. Thank you very much for uh, all you do over there. We thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg. Uh, I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Thank our guest tonight, Juanita Mahdi, Dr. Lemi Shaheen. Thank Dr. Aisha for sliding on in here too as well. And we're going to leave you as we greeted you, family. Uh, inshallah, we'll be with you tomorrow. So with assalamu alaikum, may the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.